Welcome to the Community Church. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to, I, to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard uh, will understand. Uh, and I know all the words are fairly straightforward, but I, don't, I just find it quite hard to get into uh, what he's actually saying in that passage. Uh, and perhaps when you first see the, the title for this morning, which is uh, Proclaim the Gospel of of God, you know, this is not uh, a set of instructions in a sense. It's not saying this is what you will do. You know, it's not like the Great Commission where it says go and do this. Instead, we almost have Paul just talking about himself, uh, just talking about what he's doing. So I think what we can do is try and infer some uh, some principles from what he's saying. Now, I, I was googling uh, googling around a lot. And uh, if it helps, bring up the next slide. I found this really nice summary. So in a sense, if you write nothing else down for the next 20 minutes, that's quite a nice summary of what we're trying to get at. Following Paul's example, we should affirm the ministries of others while serving the Lord in line with our gifts and calling, giving him the glory for any results. That makes much more sense. I'm starting to understand it now. Following Paul's example, we should affirm the ministries of others while serving the Lord in line with our gifts and calling, giving him the glory for any results. So, with that overview in mind, um, and with the help of various people on the internet, so uh, some uh, Stephen Cole in California, we can send him our blessings because he's did a very interesting preaching series I was listening to on this. And so we have some ministry principles, partly inspired by Stephen Cole. So number one then, there are nine of them, which I feel is a real letdown. It always feels there should be ten. No one ever does a top nine. But anyway, there are nine. Maybe seven would have been more spiritual. I don't know. Anyway, there are nine ministry principles. You can count them, which we'll work through. Um, and uh, hopefully they will be helpful. Number one, then, if you are a, if you are a Christian, you are in ministry. Uh, and I was wondering, do we like the word ministry? It's a funny old word, isn't it? Uh, we could pick something else. We could say mission. Not sure that's any more uh, attractive, really. Uh, especially what happens in government. Maybe ministry, being a minister, well, that's not particularly attractive. So I'm going to stick with ministry. Essentially, if you like, it means worker with a vision, worker with a calling, something like that. And so this is not about whether you are, you know, a missionary or a, uh, a minister. You're not a reverend or something like that. This is your, your ministry. You are at work for God 
in some context. Make no mistake then, if you are a Christian, you're in ministry. Uh, often when we think about ministry, you'd say, right, who's the minister of our church? Well, that's probably Adrian. Or has anyone else got a ministry? Or maybe it's something like Stephen D. They are ministering to the poor. Uh, but actually, I think in this passage, it reminds us that we all have ministry. So hands up if you're in ministry. Fantastic. You all have something to do. I think that's a, a challenge. There's all something to do for all of us. It's also a great encouragement. I think in a world that is searching often for purpose and direction and meaning, God says, hey, I've got work for all of you to do. I mean, look at the way the passage starts. It says, I'm convinced, brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. It doesn't say, I'm confident that the elders are competent to instruct you. The rest of you are doing okay, love Paul. It's quite general. It's saying all of you are full of goodness. All of you are filled with knowledge and the ability to instruct one another. Isn't that an amazing thing to say? But of course, it's very uh, in keeping with the grace of God that says we all have access to the throne of God. We all have access to speak to God. It, you know, in one sense, it's an unusual thing to do an opening line for a church, isn't it? If someone said, write a letter to, I don't know, the, the, the church in Exmouth and really bless them and encourage them, you'd say, to the church in Exmouth, you're really wise. You, they'd, be, they'd be like, well, I thought we have great youth work. We have amazing worship. We've got a lovely building. We've got, you know, something, you know, we've got a great website. But actually, he opens it with, you're really wise, you could instruct one another. I think there is a challenge to all of us then in this that we are in ministry, and as we'll see later, we have a challenge to grow in wisdom. Number two, if you skip on two, is it to number two? To minister effectively to others, you must know and personally apply biblical truth uh, in your walk with God. Um, so, of course, if you are going to say that you are wise and you are able to instruct one another, you want to be careful uh, who you say that to. You would only want people to be able to do that um, if they were fully uh, following God, if they were uh, wise, if they were full of biblical truth, and they were working that out. In that way, you can trust one another to instruct each other because they are uh, living in accordance with the Bible. So if you go back to the previous slide, I put them in the wrong order. So you wouldn't give children power tools. Equally, you wouldn't necessarily say to a new Christian, congratulations, you can preach, or congratulations, we'd like you to issue correction and teaching to the rest of the church. So there is a balance, isn't it, then? If you want to be effective, you need to be mature. So go back, it's enough looking at that. Um, you want to make sure that people are mature. You want to make sure that you're walking uh, in biblical truth. Uh, just as I was driving over, a song came on UCB1, and it was, uh, it was talking about how um, we can have a great Sunday, but actually your Christian life doesn't end when the service ends. Do you walk and talk the same way on Monday as you did on Sunday? And that's exactly what we're saying here. If you want to be effective in your church work, if you want to fully fulfill what the passage is talking about, then we need to make sure we are applying biblical truth to our walk with God. Number three, trust God to work through others in the body and infer, uh, affirm their ministries. Uh, make them feel 
like a lion, not a kitten. Although most kittens, in my experience, think they are lions, uh, regardless of how big they are. This can be a real challenge, I think, maybe for leaders, but I think for all of us to trust God to work through others. Because it, it can be very easy to think, uh, no, I think yes. You know, I, I certainly trust that God can speak to everyone, obviously, but he mostly speaks to the elders. And so if we could just leave it like that, that would be a lot less complicated. But actually... You know, he's saying that you're able to correct one another. You're able to minister one with another. Paul is affirming that there is a body at work here. There is something for everyone to do. So there is trust in God, just that we trust God to work through ourselves. It's being able to trust God to work through others. It can be really hard to let go, particularly as you get older. Um, as elders, we had a meeting last Saturday. And uh, we drank a lot of coffee, particularly Adrian and I, I think it was. And uh, we, uh, we talked about strategy and got some spreadsheets out, obviously, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. And then we start talking about young leaders. You know, and there is a part of me that is saying, well, here I am, Adrian. You were, no, you're not supposed to laugh at that. I, you know, I'm young leaders. I'm ready. You know, I remember for a few years I was the youngest technical consultant where I work. And, of course, there is part of your brain that is still there, isn't it? Thinking, you know, I'm the answer to everything um, that you ever needed. And then you start to realize, no, actually... We need to develop some really, not really young, because they're still not that young. We need to develop leaders that are half of uh, my age. Um, and you can apply whatever multiple works for you. Um, but we need to uh, look at young leaders and acknowledge that, you know what? They might have better ideas than I do. God is talking to them just as he's talking to me. There are parts of the church that is doing work that, to be honest, I don't have time or, or, or gifting to get involved with. And you think, do you know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to trust God to work in that. You know, some of you are working in community action. Some of you are working, doing great stuff in your life groups, having meals with people. Some of you are just working with your neighbors, being nice, trying to befriend them, showing God to them. And I can't necessarily help you with that, or it's not particularly my calling to do that. And I want to trust God to say, that is great. God can speak to you about how you do that, just as he can speak to others of us about other things. Of course, we want to work together uh, and we want to support one another, understand and direct the, the church's energies in the right place. But I think that's a really interesting way of putting it, to trust God to work well in others and to encourage them in that. There's someone else doing something around you uh, and you think, when you next see them, just encourage them. And say, God bless you in what you're doing. May your ministry be effective. In light of that, though, then number four, how about that? Don't hesitate to be bold in challenging others or in reminding them of what they already know. I have to say, um, there was also one I nearly put in was be sensitive. But I, I thought, that let's just combine it together. Um, but look at how Paul starts this passage. He's talking about how he called them out on, on things that they were doing. Um, now, there are ways of challenging and there are ways of challenging. And uh, my job, uh, as a lot of my job, is, is reviewing the work of audit firms and telling them whether they're right or wrong. 
Uh, I mean, like, it's great because many they're wrong, and so you spend most of your life telling other people that they're wrong, which I started off very nervous about and now take an enormous amount of pleasure in. Of course, you have to take it out of normal life. You know, sometimes William will make something out of Lego, and you kind of look at it, and you're going, no, well, I wouldn't have done it like that. Clearly, that's the wrong color bricks. The wrong. You can, Hold on, stop. No, no, that's work mode. Uh, I'm being a dad. Um, so, and I think, you know, equally in churches, there are ways of suggesting to someone you want to have a talk about what they're doing. Uh, and so certainly when I'm auditing, we have to say to new members of staff, don't say that that per- don't say you know, the client is wrong, an idiot, stupid, should never have done that. What on earth were they thinking? I have one colleague that will put things like gur and arg, I can't believe you've done that again, and we have to filter that out of the reports. That's not helpful in church either, is it particularly? You think what? Ah! But there are ways of uh, challenging, encouraging, or questioning helpfully. Uh, you know, as, as elders, we've been through a process, and, and John has helped us and others. And you know, just saying, can you just have a think about, are we doing the right kinds of things? And certainly when you're preaching, you know, you give, give Adrian and others the right to say, are you sure I haven't missed the mark? We evaluate our Sunday morning because we want to say, we want to say, actually, we don't have all the answers. We're all human. Let's make sure we are receptive to correction. But say there are ways of doing it. Say, right, I'm not sure about this. Can you tell me why you did this? Sometimes I feel this doesn't work for me. Can we have a look at the Bible about what that means? They may be ways to offer correction rather than just saying, that's wrong, I hate it, I don't like it, you're useless, and so the conversation goes. And I think it can be a great test of character and of your uh, pride or lack of to be able to take correction. You know, someone produces something that says, these areas of the church need working on, and of course your human reaction is, well, that's clearly wrong because we're amazing. But then partly you're going, no, I have to be humble and say, uh, why would what I do always be perfect? I want to be able to humbly accept correction or at least testing. That's part of what you do when you're auditing is you test something. And sometimes the client says it's taken you all week and you've proved I'm right. What a waste of time. But you think, no, I've proved that's right. And that's also helpful as well, isn't it? It says not just challenging others, but reminding them of what they already know. Let's go through this together. And you know what? You were right all along. Jesus does save. Amazing. And so it's good to do that. As we worship later, maybe as we worshipped earlier, I was challenging Sidmouth. I said, if anyone's got a word they want to bring to the church, then yes, check it with the guys at the front here. But if you have a word that reminds us of what we already know, God's amazing. Sarah started the service in Sidmouth this morning. I said, I just want to read you something and said, God's amazing. You think, brilliant. I knew that, but it was great to be reminded. If God tells you something, then if we've got time when we worship or save it up for next week, come and tell us. Remind us of what we know. God saves. Good. Can never tire of hearing that. God loves you. I, I needed that. So let's not be afraid to speak biblical truth to each other. Number five, offer your ministry to God as an act of worship, uh, pleasing to him. If you look at the next slide, so I'm looking for a picture, and I found this. Couldn't decide is this the most amazing way to spend two hours, or if that actually would be an absolute nightmare. Um, I can't, because, you know, you just need an emotional rest, don't you, from times of praise and worship. Um, That was a YouTube channel, apparently, two hours 
of non-stop Christian. Just the way they've worded it. Non-stop Christian praise and worship. But the frustrating thing is, of course, when you Google praise and worship, that's what you get. Um, You get something that is all about singing songs and lifting hands and being in a church service. There's nothing wrong with that. That is praise and worship, and we love it. I'm sure Ollie did an amazing job this morning. Thank you, Ollie. Uh, But, of course, our worship is everything we do out of love for God, isn't it? Our ministry, and whatever that is, serving in the church, serving your neighbors, leading something, cooking something for someone that needs it, whatever your ministry is, is worship. One of the quotes I was looking at, as I'm, you know, one of the commentaries on this as I was looking at it said, actually, mission, don't do it for mission's sake. Everything we do should be out of worship. The reason we want to reach people and tell them about Jesus is not really because God tells us to, but go back a step further. The reason we do it is because we love God. So out of worship, we do it. If Liz gives me a list of things to do, if I just look at it as a list of instructions... It really winds me up. And she knows this. It's funny, I could say this in Sidmouth a lot more easier than I can. I thought you weren't going to be in. <coughs> so why do I do it sometimes? I, I do it because I know it's important to her and I love her. And that if that dishwasher is not loaded, and it's best to load a dishwasher and then put it on. Because if she gets a chance to rearrange it, she'll rearrange it. But why do I load the dishwasher when I'd rather watch telly? I do it because I love her. Not because it's an instruction given from on high. Thank you, darling. (laughs) Took a second or two, but they all laughed eventually. Uh, It's the same with how we want to minister for God, isn't it? Everything we do is out of worship. We don't do things just because God tells us to. Because take a step back, that would just be a life of having to follow a set of rules. And that's not why we come to him. We want to uh, perform our ministry. We want to serve him because we love him. It's worship. So I was in Sidmouth, obviously, before it started. And you're there as the guys are wrestling with the PA. And they're trying to get the chairs out and the coffee and then took a bit of winding up and all that kind of stuff. And you're thinking... But why do they do it? If it's disheartening because no one notices or it doesn't work, almost, I'm trying to say to them, the results are irrelevant because you're doing it because it's worship. So God sees it and you're worshipping, so it doesn't matter whether it works or anyone thanks you, although, of course, it's good to thank them. But it doesn't matter if, it, if, it, if the urn doesn't work. It doesn't matter if no one turns up to your life group. It doesn't matter if your neighbour doesn't thank you for the acts of kindness. Because you've done it out of worship, then you've won. You know, you're worshipping your Heavenly Father for what He's done for you. So great, you've won whatever. You've succeeded. Your Heavenly Father is loving what you're doing. If If then God then decides to give it success, praise God, that's amazing. But actually, we've we've succeeded because we're worshipping our Heavenly Father. And that puts a whole different spin on whatever we do. That should energize us. You know, this work isn't really working. This ministry, whatever it is, my friends don't seem to listen when I talk to them. This thing I'm doing for the church is not really taking off. or This this isn't happening the way I wanted. Actually, take a step back. While it's good to evaluate how effective we're being, it's good to say, but actually, success is all in God's hands. As long as I'm doing it out of worship, I'm good. Doesn't that release us to enjoy our service a lot more? Uh, Number six, 
Deflect all glory in your ministry to God because all results come from his grace. Never thought I'd get Wonder Woman on a slide, but there you are. The kids are going through a phase of loving Wonder Woman, aren't you, Abby? Well, particularly William. You're just watching it. Okay. Say, I mean, I'm very pleased that there's a powerful female character, but I'm not sure I'd encourage that as a general dress sense. But anyway, um, Wonder Woman can deflect bullets with her bracelets. It's a handy skill for any woman, I suppose, but uh, there you go. Why does she do it? I always feel I need to act it whenever I say this. So She does that because they are dangerous. I would endeavor to suggest that too much praise is dangerous for us. And so it is good to remember that any success we have is because of God's grace and God at work. Soon as we stop thinking that, and Paul says, I will only speak of what God has done. As soon as we stop thinking that, then the pride comes in, then it must be me. I don't need God so much. It's all about me. And of course it isn't. It's all about God. I can't tell you how I had no idea what I was going to say when the service started in Sidmouth. I didn't find, for some reason, this verse didn't just click for me. Maybe it was because God wanted to teach me a little bit about number six. And so I have to say, anything I'm saying this morning is because of God. And that's really helpful. It's really humbling, but it's really helpful to remember. We, don't, we want to be encouraged, yes, most people in ministry, of whatever sense, have a huge lack of self-confidence. But actually, we want to say, no, this comes from God. If the church is going to grow, if our various activities are going to grow, if we are going to reach our neighbors, if they're even going to accept our acts of friendship, it's all got to come from God. Because it's, if it's all about my efforts, then that's not good. That's not a good mindset to have. I want to deflect all glory uh, in our ministry to God, because everything comes from his grace. Number seven, having said that, there is legitimate satisfaction that comes from uh, realizing God has used you. And I think that's very different from pride, isn't it? That's not saying that didn't I do well. Oh, nearly broke into an impression of that then. What was that from? Didn't he do well? Uh, uh, yes, yes, thank you very much. Um, it's funny. I was couldn't help thinking this week, whenever they talk about Nicholas Parsons, I just the phrase live from Norwich, it's the quiz of the week, kept going through my head. But anyway, you can say how my mind works. It gets very easily distracted. Anyway, there was a point here. There's a legitimate satisfaction from knowing that God's used you. Not from succeeding necessarily, but from knowing that what you did, um, God did it through you. And I think that is a subtle but a very important change, isn't it? So I think that this morning would have been much better if Jesus himself had manifested here and preached and the band went and sat down and angels played. No offense to the band, but I have to say angels have probably got an edge on you. You know, being immortal beings, they probably have a bit more time to practice. And so there is a sense where God could have done a better job of this morning on his own than with us. God's perfect, and unfortunately we're not. However, God chooses to work through his people. Isn't that humbling, but an amazing privilege? Say, thank you, God, that you chose to let me preach this morning and to put some words in my mouth. Thank you, God, that you chose to reach Honiton using us and not just doing it on your own by a flick of your fingers or a sweep of your hand. You choose, God chooses to use us. Just like when William and I are doing Lego, there is part of me that says, man, I would like to just do it myself. 
You know, he's, he's getting pretty good actually now. But, um, you know, when he was younger, you'd look at it and going, this is going to be better and quicker if I just do it. But because I want to do it with him and be engaged and I take pride in my son doing something, you, you encourage them to do it. And at the end, you say, well done, son. Well done. And I enjoyed doing that together. God does that to you. Whatever you're doing, he's going, I could do it better myself, but because I love you so much, let's do it together. Let's do it. I want to do it through you. And there has to be a sense of satisfaction in that. God, thank you that you want to do stuff through us. The goal in ministry should be to proclaim the gospel so as to produce genuinely converted uh, disciples. Bring up the next one. That's it. Fantastic. So the goal in ministry is to proclaim the gospel or proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Let's just be careful, though, that we proclaim the gospel of Jesus, not our church or our social class or our political or social views. We are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus uh, when we talk. How are you at proclaiming the gospel of Jesus? And I'm not talking about preaching. I'm just saying you get that moment that you've been praying or dreading or thinking about where someone actually says so. What do you believe then? And you think, oh, right. So I have 30 seconds to tell you all about the, the Bible and Jesus and everything, or you're going to get bored and move on to something else. Right, here we go. Are you ready to do that? Have you practiced? I mean, we had it this week. We had uh, lunch, and there was two of us Christians and two others. It was just part of a team meeting. It just so happened that two were Christians and uh, got talking about some stuff. And then one of them says, so what do you think? You think, wow, that's, uh, that's just what I've been hoping for. But um, could you give me a bit of a lead up? I could have got some notes. You know, I've got a PowerPoint presentation about uh, the gospel. I've got some tracks at home. Or have I got any in the boot? Actually, are you ready to proclaim the gospel and what that actually means? The gospel of Jesus, not the gospel of us. Don't get sucked into, you know, political debate or social debate. We want to say, what did Jesus do and say? And there's very little argument in that. Let's be clear in what Jesus did and said. There were some uh, great videos of uh, Woody Allen interviewing um, Billy Graham. And uh, funny, apparently they were great friends, but wildly disagreed on virtually everything. Partly isn't that lovely, that they could be great friends and disagree on virtually everything. Um, but uh, Woody Allen apparently was fascinated by Billy Graham. And in this situation, you had a load of uh, sort of 70s, I guess, kind of hippies and so on. And Woody Allen talking about sort of loose morals and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and Billy Graham would just answer all of it. because no, it's not me saying that's wrong. But Jesus said, and the Bible says this. And it was a lovely way of, of bringing it to them so it didn't become so personal. But also, what a man who just knew the Bible. Not trying to tell them about, this is what I think. I'd much rather you went to this kind of church or you need to do this on a Sunday. But he was just going, no, this is what the Bible says. Let's be clear that we preach the Bible. Let's be ready to explain it when the moment uh, arises. Let's not shy away from our own sin. The gospel is not saying that we're sinless, just saying that everyone sins, but we know a father that can fix it. Number nine. Understand how your ministry fits into the bigger picture of what God is doing. So going forward then, 
how does this work? We think about the church specifically. Uh, how does this fit for us? As I said, Simon, don't worry, Adrian, I'm not making up anything you haven't heard before. Simon's eyes lit up. He's going, what is Dave going to say? It's okay. It's okay. This is all thought out. <coughs> so, I think then it's good to think about whatever you're doing, does it fit into uh, the ministry that God has, and specifically for us, the ministry of the church here. Um, we have a vision statement for the church, and we were asked, we were challenged, does it still work for you? So if you bring up the next one. Uh, so that, that is a, a, a real-life picture from the elders, say, the elders away day. That's about as exciting as it got, I suppose, but... Uh, I did have to hide a coffee stain further on as my, my coffee got in the way. But we, we talked about that um, as elders, and we thought, you know what? I think that does say who we are. And actually, I think it absolutely fits with the passage that we've been preaching this morning. And even though the day was spent, you know, strategizing, looking at spreadsheets, budgets, and so forth, I left really quite excited with this reminder of who we are. Now, I, it was interesting that it's not on any of the banners, is it? I mean, no. Gather, grow, go. Um, hopefully, if you've got a newsletter, as I understand it, it is in the newsletter. I haven't seen one this morning, but isn't it usually on the front of the newsletter, gather, grow, go? It is, it is, it is in the top corner. And I think if we're going to use it, we decided as elders, if we're going to use it, we need to talk about it some more. So you might regret that, but we're going to talk about it some more. So this is, I suppose, the first time in a while we'll talk about it specifically. And then after Easter, we'll go into detail looking specifically as how does this church vision, just as point nine said, how does it fit into the different ministries of the church? So how does it fit into life groups, into youth work, into worship, into other kinds of areas of the church? So how does this mission fit in with what the church is trying to do. So I hope it's not a spoiler alert, and it's spoiled what Adrian was planning to do in a few weeks, but I thought it'd be good just to go through this, because this excites me, and I think it does actually explain where we are. So the first one is, uh, no, go back. Uh, the first one is gather in community. We want to be a church that welcomes everyone, that gathers people together in a community that loves God, that supports one another, encourages one another. We want to gather um, together. I think that's good. Hopefully you'd agree with that. That sounds encouraging to me. But as we've said at the beginning of this, ver uh, of this passage this morning, that is not enough. We are encouraged to grow in discipleship so that we can uh, correct one another, we can become spiritually uh, mature, and so we want to grow through discipleship. And then ultimately, we want to go on a mission to those around us, to those in India, where Steve and Dee are uh, at the moment, to the churches in Zambia we have links with. We want to go uh, on a mission. I think that really summarizes what we're doing really well. And so I want you to start to think and pray, does what I do, am I happy that what I do links to those three objectives? And it won't be all of them equally in every context. But actually, whatever we do should support that. Does my life group, does our youth group, does uh, our social action, does it help people to grow together? Does it help people to grow deeper with God? Does it help gather people together? Does it pull together people uh, with like-minded uh, love of God? Does it help us? Does it prepare us to go uh, on a mission? And we want to encourage people to think about it in those terms. They say, maybe what you're doing won't necessarily be all three in every context, but I said at the beginning, we have work to do. 
So if you bring up the next slide, I hope it's not me. I was just uh, uh, listening to something about a spa weekend you could win on ITV. Um, uh, but I think we had the phrase that the church is a gym, not a spa. And I think sometimes we look at church and thinking it's all about the, the, the gather part, maybe. It's all about that part that says we come together because it's nice to be with friends that think the same thing. You know, it's like a spa. Someone I work with, she says, I go to the gym three times a week. I said, really? She, then I realized I shouldn't have said that because that implies that by looking at her, I was incredulous. She goes to the gym three times a week, so backtracked quickly. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, how do you find the time? And she said, well, I don't stay very long. You just have a, a sauna and a, a massage and a cake and a latte, and that's pretty much nailed it. I thought, that's not a gym. That is a spa. But anyway... The church is not a spa. It's not about going, what can I consume? A church is a gym because it's preparing us for ministry. We are together because God wants to do something with us. Say, so God wants us to become disciples. That means we are getting better at something. We are getting deeper into God. As a church, we should be closer to God than we were last year. As individuals, we should, be, we should know more about God, hear more from Him, know more about His Word in 12 months than we do now. Is that your aspiration? Because as, as elders, we think we really want to own this and say this is our aspiration. We're not just here to kill time on a Sunday morning. Gathering the gather part of it is important. There'll be times where we want to support and nurture one another. And clearly, friendships are absolutely important. But the point is, when we're here, we're working out. We're working out what God wants to do in our lives, working out what he says in our word. We're saying to God, as we worship, speak to us, speak to us prophetically. We want to be good disciples. Even the word, what did Jesus do with his disciples? He didn't leave them where they were and said, great, now you're in the club. You've got a membership card. Go and sit there and we'll have uh, reunions every now and again. He said, come on, let's now go and change the world. And I think that's where our church wants to be. And then as part of that, clearly we want to go on a mission. We want to reach people. If you've got something that really you think is great, what do you do? You tell other people about it. Nothing worse in January than someone who's just joined a new gym. Do you work with anyone like that? What do they do? They join a new gym. They tell everyone else they should join because it's amazing. I wish I had the confidence to do that about God more. So we want to be on a mission. We have these targets then. Uh, I say we're not going to go to hell if we don't hit the targets. Prophetically, do we think we've specifically heard them? No, I'm not sure specifically that those numerical targets were part of a prophetic word. It had to be absolutely. But we think it is really helpful to give ourselves a target and to push. It felt quite comfortable when it was a five-year target, when we first talked about this two years ago, starting to get a bit more nervous. Now it's three years. And as elders, we were talking and saying, well, shall we just keep pushing the deadline forward and say, maybe we won't hit it. But actually, we were challenged to say, I think we need to make sure we give this some emphasis. So whether it will be 300 people or not, we want the church to be substantial, not so that Adrian can go to commission meetings and say, my church is considerably bigger than yours. I get the best seats much nearer guy. But we go to say, what's happening in the church in Honiton and Sidmouth? God is working. And we're so excited that he's working. 
That's why we're doing it, not because size is important, but because we want to see God move. And our concern is if we don't push forward, we'll slip back. We want 30 baptisms. How many have we had in the last couple of years? A handful, uh, perhaps less. Uh, Baptisms, really, I suppose what we want is people converted into uh, active disciples, but baptism is a useful shorthand for saying if you've been baptized, that tells us you're serious about it and you want to move on with God. If you've not been baptized, then please do come and talk to us. It doesn't make you more of a Christian, but it's an important step of obedience to say, I'm taking this seriously. I want to acknowledge my faith in front of the church. And three sites. I think, in a sense, we want to hold that maturely because planting Sidmouth was was painful and exciting and hard work and glorious um, all at the same time, but I would suggest it was effective. It's lovely to go to Sidmouth and see people how you think, you weren't in a church or I didn't know you until we came to Sidmouth. So there is something about pushing into a new place that does tend to create some momentum. And so we want to prayerfully look at that and say, is that something to plan or to activate uh, in the next three years? I hope you're excited about that. I was you know, very keen to say, if that is the kind of church you're not interested in, then do ask yourself whether you're in the right place. Because I think we want to shape the church quite passionately and say we are a church that wants to go forward. We have a newly formed mission team to make sure we do that. We're looking at budgets. We're evaluating strategy to say how can we go forward and convert more people, take new places, grow as individuals and grow as a church. So we want to be in a gym. We want to be building our spiritual muscles. We want to be going forward. And I really hope that as we open up more of it after Easter, that that will excite you too. Get involved in our ministry. Let God excite you for how you can uh, be involved and how we can go forward. We want to affirm the ministry of others. We want to affirm the ministry in the church and serve the Lord in line with our gifts and talents, giving him the glory for any results. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. Then the worship team uh, will lead us then, please. Lord God, I thank you uh, for this passage, Lord. Thank you that you call us all to active ministry, whatever that means, whether it's serving our neighbours, whether it's serving in the church, whether it's both, whether it's leading something. Lord, I thank you that you have a plan for all of us and you want us to be involved in in the work of your kingdom. Uh, Lord, we pray as we look to the future, as we think about a church that is growing, that is actively growing in maturity, that we become closer to you. We become better able to hear from you, to understand your word and to push into new areas. Lord, we do pray for Sidmouth. We pray for the site here in Honiton. And Lord, we pray uh, as to any potential new site that Lord reveal your direction to us, Lord. I pray that we won't get comfortable and we won't slip back. But Lord, we will push on uh, and that if there's any success, Lord, it's for your glory. Lord, we want to boast that God is alive and God is at work in our lives and at work in our church. Lord, may that be our testimony as we go forward. Amen. For more information, please visit our website, thecommunitychurch.co.uk.